As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Muddy Knees Media. Totally Football Show. European edition. Today it's a Hello Old Friend special. Pochettino in at Paris Saint-Germain and just when you couldn't face another turkey, Dominic and Christian Gross are back too. We break out the star charts and TFL journey planners and tackle Europe's other big stories as well, including two days till he can do one for free. What's the messy master plan now? It's the Toby Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Yeah, hello, listener. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's currently uh, December the 29th of the year 2020, and this is a brand new Totally Football Show European edition. I, James Richardson, am joined by Julian Laurence. Bonjour. Bonjour, Jules. Raphael Honigstein's with us. Hello, James. Over there is Alvaro Romeo. Hola, hola. And also James Horncastle. Good day to you all. Fantastic. Happy New Year. Feliz Año Nuevo and all that. Oh, I might have just wished you a happy new anus, actually. Is that right? <laughs> if you say año, I get it's ano nuevo, isn't it? No, that's the anus. Which one's yeah. the anus? I think that there is a, there is a distinction between año and, and ano. Yes. Definitely. Which one and is ano, isn't that a dwarf? As well, yeah. <laughs> Alvaro, isn't it true, beyond any happy new year business, today we're recording this actually on the 28th. And am I right in thinking, Alvaro, that that's... April Fool's Day in Spain. Yes, absolutely. It is. Uh, it's the Day of the Holy Innocent, uh, which is a Catholic religious holiday. Well, uh, at the beginning it was uh, more religious than it is now. Now, or nowadays, it's a day to make pranks and to spread fake news and, um, you know, jokes and all that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, every time you make one uh, joke or you are the receiver of one, you say innocente, innocente, which is calling a person that... Uh, they have been very naive for believing that fake news. Yeah, that's Brilliant. that's the whole thing about. I I can't wait to see what japes you're going to spread throughout today's show. <laughs> By the way, have there been in the Spanish press this morning were there lots of fake stories? Uh, I've seen only one, uh, uh-huh. which is Mundo Deportivo, the diary from Barcelona, saying that uh, Gerard Piqué was going to be a candidate for the next Barcelona elections. And uh, that is the only one I have found. I also thought that the Diego Costa story uh, was at the beginning a joke, but uh, there are so many newspapers talking about it that uh, I have to believe that it's true. I mean, apparently he asked the club to leave now in January. 
Wow. There's not much that's funny about that for Atletico fans. Or maybe there is. Uh, we'll be talking much more about La Liga, La Ligue, the Bundesliga, and also Serie A in the course of today's show. May we begin, though, with a quick moment of the week to cover the days that have passed since our last show. James, lead us off. Moment of the week? I mean, it has to be <laughs> Leonard Slutsky, no? And his, uh, his wow. rendition of, of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Special. I don't want a lot for Christmas. Wait, just one thing I need. And I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. And, and the biscuits, the uh, the VR biscuits that he ate as well. Didn't, didn't he eat like a, a biscuits in the shape of a football shirt with, with, with VR written on it or something? Yeah, Zlatan has also bought a forest, apparently, yep. for Not three sure million if that's euros. A, a moment of the week, but it is Christmas related, so I'll grant you that. Jules, okay. how about a moment of the week for you? Yes, it's Neymar's party. Um, we're catching the flight with the whole family in uh, just after the show to go to Brazil for uh, for New Year's Eve at his house. 500 people, no social distancing, big party over five days. We'll just come back when the kids go back to school. It'll be, it will be epic. Excellent. Alvaro. Well, it has to be Lionel Messi's interview, the interview he gave on um, Sunday, the 27th of December, uh, in which he talked a little bit about his life, uh, the human aspect of being a Barcelona player, and uh, he gave few hints about his future, not many, to be honest. Ooh. All right, we're going to be asking you about those hints later on. But first, Rafa, your moment of the week. Well, I'm surprised Jules let me have that one, but of course it's Thomas Tuchel's dismissal on the eve of Christmas that came... Maybe not as a total surprise, but the timing was curious. Indeed. That's a story we're going to begin today's show with next. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. Defences may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg, online exclusive, no shop bets, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. Cette information surprise, elle a été donnée par l'équipe et par le journal Bild. Le PSG se sépare de son entraîneur Thomas Tuchel. Pourtant, son contrat courait jusqu'en juin 2021. Information à surprise détonnée en Paris on Christmas Eve. Jules, Thomas Tuchel out on his touch. Merry Christmas. Indeed. It was brutal. It was brutal. It, we saw it coming, although it was still a bit, a bit surprised, like Rafa said, for the timing of it. Uh, Thomas Tuchel will leave with a with a big check of around five six million euros, uh, you know, which is a lot of money to celebrate than Christmas, but without a job, I'm sure he will find another club. But for now, they felt both in Paris and in in Doha uh, a few things. The first one was that the results were not as good as they should have been. Third in Ligue 1 albeit just one point behind the two leaders, Lille and Lyon, is, is not really a good look. The fact that they only scrapped through to the last 16 of the Champions League uh, in the difficulties that we've seen is not good enough either. And it's a decision that hasn't been taken like hastily. It was uh, Pochettino went to Doha two months ago to have an interview with, with the Emir of Qatar uh, to uh. show you that it was something that they had planned before. And the timing was just, everybody was going away on holidays uh, after the game against Strasbourg on the 23rd in the night. So that was really the only time where they could have uh, met Tuchel in person, Leonardo, that is, and his staff, uh, to tell them the bad news and then prepare for the, the post-Tuchel era with Pochettino and his staff coming in. 
So as a lot of players are already left on private jets, Leonardo told Thomas Tuchel that he was no more the uh, PSG manager. Crikey. So they'd just beaten Strasbourg 4-0 and looked pretty good in, in that performance. Only four months ago, of course, they were playing in the Champions League final. You say they scraped through to the last 16, they qualified top of the group. He's got the best win percentage of any manager in Liga history. Uh, Pochettino, I'm not sure if he's actually signed yet, but it's given as a given that he's going to be taking over. He's actually got quite a hard act to follow in many ways. Yeah, I, I see your point. Of course, the stats, the stats are great and, and Tuchel did win the, the, the domestic treble last year and the first ever uh, Champions League final for the club, although lost to, to Bayern Munich. But they, they, they are the things like... Uh, so um, we, we spoke about it on the show and uh, so even James uh, talking about it on Twitter the other day with, with one of his uh, followers who, who was sort of questioning... Tuchel and James Riley. So, I mean, I was, I was so proud of you, Horny. Uh, said, yeah, but, you know, they lost to Marseille for the first time at home in the league in, in 11 years and to Lyon for the first time at home in the league for 14 years. And they could not even be Lille. So they also lost to Monaco after being 2-0 up half time. So there was a lot of things. There was a lot of issues there. Uh, tactically, the fact that he kept playing Marquinhos in midfield and Danilo Pereira, who's mm. always been a midfielder in, in his whole life, at the mm. back. A lot of those things, plus the tensions with Leonardo. I think the accumulation made that they just thought he was not the right man anymore. I, t- I take your points, but what happened when he played Marquinhos at the back? Was that was that any better? Also, weren't the results at the start of this season partly due to the fact that they'd gone all the way to the Champions League final, so they didn't get the preseason? Yeah, like but else. if I can jump in here, I mean, I, I feel that Tuchel would have been sacked uh, already four months ago were it not for Marquinhos and Chupa Moting scoring mm. in stoppage time against an Atalanta side that was down to 10 men that was in the lead um, almost at the end of that game and they would have been dumped out. Um, and, and I think it's interesting, uh, you know, we've spoken about this uh, regularly, really. Even in Lisbon um, at the final eight, there was a sense that he was on the brink. He's felt like he's been on the brink for a long, long time, um, despite these relative successes. Um, that he's had uh, and ultimately you know he's he's no different to what's gone before him they still haven't won the Champions League and they had their you could say that they had their best opportunity to do that um, in, in the final eight particularly given their route to the final okay they uh, they ended up coming up against the best team in the continent in 2020 which is Bayern but you know they put out what Atalanta uh, Leipzig you know in, in some respects the deck was stacked in in their favour uh, in the end to, to get through. So I, I don't find the timing curious either. Um, I, ultimately, it's a winter break. It's the one opportunity where uh, you can bring in a new manager. And I think also managers who have been out of work, like Pochettino, like Allegri, are having to reassess things in that in a pre-pandemic world, they said, look, we're not going to come in during the season because we want a pre-season and we want a transfer window. And instead... There are no pre-seasons anymore. So you just have to get in when you can. And I think that's, uh, that's in some respects, why Poch has, has decided to come in now. Fair enough. But does this underline the fact that, as Tuchel himself was saying in an interview not long ago, that just being a good coach won't save you in this job? There's a lot of other things riding on this. It's going to be a very, very tough ask for him. Yeah, but, but Tuchel was right in that interview that he gave to Sports One, which, by the way, I think he was already sacked. They, they, made, they, made, they had made the decision before that interview that he gave just before the Strasbourg game. But that, even that didn't help him again because 
already a few times publicly he's criticized the, the way the club had been run by Leonardo, but also by by by, by Qatar, really, and by Nasser yeah, Al-Khalifi. I mean, compared to, say, what Antonio Conte does at, at, at San Siro, it's like nothing. What I know, but they're, they're different ownership. You know, I think there's a way where you work with, with the Qataris that maybe is very different than, 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 than working with, with other owners. But they certainly didn't like what he was saying, the criticism that he, he, he sort of repeated around the transfer window that they made, the fact that you have to be more than a coach. There's too much politics in Paris. It's not just a football club. And, and which, which I, 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 agree, I agree to a certain extent with him. And also, I think where he will be disappointed, and, and I think a lot of people watching him in Paris were as well, is that I think he had great ideas coming in. And he never felt that he could do the tactics that he wanted, put the game in place that he wanted, because he's been slagged off for the lack of identity of his team, which is which mm. is true. I think he would say, but with Neymar and Mbappe, you can't you, you can't put anything in place because they they're almost players who have to play individual football, not not as a team sport, to be able to succeed. And I, and I can see why at times he struggled to find an answer to the issues at the club. To why there was why there were problems and why he felt so frustrated at times not to be able to be the manager that he really wanted to be tactically especially and work wise because of the players that he had. It'd be good to get Rafa's opinion on this because it seems that there's a trend in Tuchel's career. We saw it at Dortmund where he has problems managing up. He has problems getting on with sporting directors, owners, uh, clashes with them. I think you know that is one of the reasons why. Uh, he got the sack this time around. You're absolutely right that his fallout with Michael Zorc and Sven Mislintat at Dortmund was one of the main reasons why Dortmund just couldn't continue with him. Even then, though, they tried to accommodate him as long as possible and they, and they went to the, the entire second season winning the cup, thinking that he is actually such a good manager that perhaps we have to overlook these other issues, but ultimately they just couldn't go on because he did also fall out with, with influential people in the team itself. Um, so there is that is an issue. I think he won't be the last one, though, to have have problem with the way that the structure works at PSG when you have, um, you know, Leonardo doing doing his own thing effectively, um, and and I think making decisions that perhaps are not, um, yeah, in line with what a coach needs, and. What I would say in his defense is that he got probably the closest that we have seen anyone when it comes to making PSG play like a team. And they were the better team in the final against Bayern. I think Bayern were the better team in the competition. They were a better team, you know, throughout 2020 or the first half of 2020. But if you look the way that the game went and the, the chances that they created, I, I think they probably shaded it. So I don't want to say Tuchel has been unlucky, but. I think there's a lot of things he got right, but as James hinted at, and, and maybe Jules can expand on that, there were, there were other issues maybe off the pitch. But Rafa, can I ask, what, what do you think Tuchel's going to go next and wh where would you see him fitting in well? Well, Tuchel is going to go where where they want him. I think at the moment there is no really uh, the kind of opening that um, that he would straight away jump into. I think he's much more likely to take a few months off and you know, take stock and relax. He took a whole year out. Remember when he left? When he left Mainz, uh, waiting a long time before the right offer came along. He went to PSG to win stuff. He managed to do that. I think his reputation has has not suffered um, from that one and a half years in charge there. And I think whoever wants to have a manager who plays a very innovative, exciting, attacking style of football will 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 ring him. 
Uh, whether that you know it's going to happen immediately, I'm not sure. There's a lot of, I think, pretty baseless speculation in Germany that he's sort of just about to go to Man United or maybe Arsenal next week. And I don't think there's any substance to it simply because those positions are not available right now. But I'm sure that he will be in the mix for the next uh, big jobs that will will come along. Probably by the time March or April happens, and we know one or two clubs wanting to make a big change in the summer, I think he'll be he'll be one of the candidates considered. Mm, especially with Pochettino out of the mix, snapped up by PSG. Jules L'Equipe with the headline "Christmas has come early," essentially with a big picture of Mauricio. Uh, are you excited? Former PSG player, of course, Pochettino. Yeah, he arrived at the club almost uh, 20 years ago to the day. He joined in January um, 2001 from Espanyol. Luis Fernandez brought him to the club. He became then uh, the captain, of course. He had two and a half really good years. Uh, I think he he really loved the city and loved the club and, and, and the fans loved him too. And I, I think it's a big challenge. And it's, certainly if you look at his philosophy and his style of football, Especially, again, we have to go back to Mbappé and Neymar. Do, how do they respond to how much he will ask of them, what he will ask them to do in terms of counter-press and press and running and movement. We know that they don't have the most desire for that, those kind of things. They, they like having the ball and that's, that's, that's what matters a lot to them and that's it. But I think they will have to change their attitude, their behaviour. He can't fall out with them either. So it'd be very interesting to see what the dynamic is there as soon as he arrives already. Him and his assistant are thinking that maybe bringing forward a little bit the uh, the date to to return to training, which originally is January the third, which is only three days before the next league game on January the sixth. A lot of the clubs in Ligue 1 are actually coming back today, mm. uh, but, but but Tuchel and his and his staff have decided to give the players a bit longer to um, to have a break or to finish but, their five day Christmas parties. Ex- well, especially for Neymar, yeah, because you need that long to to celebrate Chris, uh, Christmas and the New Year. But but I think Pochettino already is thinking. Hang on a minute, third of Jan when we go again on the sixth of Jan, and then big games coming up with with the Community Shield against Marseille on January the thirteenth, the big rivalry, which will be one of Pochettino's first games in charge. Then obviously the Champions League next month in February against Barcelona. So. He was already thinking, making plans of changing things that Tuchel was doing. But it'd be very fascinating, I think, to see that dynamic between him and the dressing room. I think he's got a, a certain charisma and, and an aura that you could see the players you know, going for him and, and really be behind him and everything. But let's see maybe if he changes a little bit there and there as well compared to how he was at Spurs. From all the managers that won the title in 2019, uh, only Pep Guardiola is standing, the manager who has power in the team. But the rest of the managers, uh, the likes of Valverde, Nico Kovac, Thomas Tuchel, or uh, Massimiliano Allegri, let alone uh, Mauricio Sarri, who was there in 2020, they are all gone. So as you can see, the credit for winning a league title is very short nowadays. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. Neymar's party, Jules, is that going to cause any problems at PSG, just to fill anybody in, anybody in if they miss this? So he basically rented a villa on the coast. It's holding at the moment, is that right? A five-day party is underway at the moment, or has it been shut down? His people are playing it down now, saying that it's not a five days in a row sort of party. There's, there's just a... Like, every day for, for sort of five days, they, they had planned to, to have parties, not with 500 people. No. Uh, it's, it's in his big mansion on the coast, but they, they okay. sort of built uh, an area in the garden. 
so people can have fun outside. There's no restriction right now in Brazil, although they were they were heavily hit by the virus. But there's no restriction like we can have in Europe of you know six people or eight people indoors and this and that. You can do what you want pretty much. Uh, but they're certainly playing it down because obviously he got hammered in the press pretty much everywhere in Spain, in France, in Brazil as well for even thinking about doing that kind of party. So I, I think it would be very different to what maybe they had planned originally. All right. Lots more League 1 news to come, including the return of another old friend. Uh, but next up, and also having a rough week pre-Christmas, like Thomas Tuchel, it's the old lady of Turin. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and The Athletic. Tuesday, 22nd of December, James Horncastle, Juve dropped six points. Boom. <laughs> First off, they saw that 3-0 win that they'd been given after Napoli failed to turn up at the Juventus Stadium. Overturned, Napoli gaining a point and Juve stripped of three. That game, the uh, Juve-Napoli match back in October, will now be played in May. Then having lost that 3-0, they then lost 3-0 against Fiorentina that evening. Huge, incredible. James? Yeah, and surprising. Um there was some speculation as to whether the announcement of uh, Napoli winning their third and final appeal uh, against that decision um, had, in some respects, destabilised uh, Juventus because they found out maybe an hour uh, before the start of the game. They actually uh, learned of the uh, decision whilst they were on the bus uh, going to the uh, the Allianz Stadium. But, uh, yeah, their heaviest defeat to Fiorentina... Uh, in Turin uh, since 1955 um, and no one saw it coming uh, really because Fiorentina as we mentioned in the last show have been so underwhelming so far this season they'd sacked Beppe Iacchini they'd sold Federico Chiesa to uh, Juventus they brought back Cesare Prandelli to take over as coach and he had failed to win uh, a game um, since taking over I think in, in eight attempts um, and yet yeah, they get ahead early. Uh, wonderful pass from uh, Frank Ribéry for, for Dusan Vlajevic. Juventus then go down to 10 men. Um, and I were deservedly behind at that point. Uh, I thought they then played actually quite well until the second goal. And then they just crumbled. Um, and another goal went in. Um, and it's one of those games, James, that I think will leave a scar. It's one that uh, Pirlo skeptics will point to and say, is he out of his depth? Um, this guy is a rookie coach. Uh, a little bit like um, people did after the, the game against Barcelona at the Allianz Stadium um, back in October um, as well. But, you know, they had been playing well up until that point in the league. You know, they put out that kind of statement display in Barcelona at the Camp Nou. They then played really well against Parma just a few days before the Fiorentina game. But as I mentioned, Parma have been really poor. They lost to Benevento, I think, on the, on the in the same midweek round as, as Juventus lost to Fiorentina. And you mentioned this kind of uh, one-two punch that uh, Juventus took on that night. 
well, it only got worse on, on Wednesday when the Milan clubs kept winning. Um, Inter have won six in a row um, and Milan uh, then won in stoppage time uh, against against Lazio. Um, and Milan have 10 points on Juventus um, at this moment in time. I think, I think Inter have nine. Mm. Um, now... Yeah, at the chances of, of of Juventus coming back and 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 winning the title for a tenth straight year, I think now very slim. Um, right. Because if, if anyone who gives Antonio Conte a nine point advantage, I'm sorry, um, I don't think you're going to catch or overhaul him. Juve hmm. do have a game in hand, uh, the clash with Napoli, which is now scheduled for uh, May. This game with Fiorentina, when they were one 0 down, they had, I think. A- pretty stonewall penalty that the referee somehow managed to miss and amid much ironic cheering no doubt from fans who've suffered decades of penalties getting given the other way but it was I think a a remarkable decision by the referee whether that would have made a difference in this game uh, I'm not sure Ribery as you mentioned was in outstanding form to what extent might this result be a turning point for Fiorentina if it whether or not it is for Juventus I think it's still too early to tell. I spoke to some people at Fiorentina after the game, and they said, "Look, that's that's what we really needed um, after well, just a, a long spell of uh, yeah, having what is on paper a talented side, um, but one that has clearly, I think, um, been weighed down by one bad result after another, um, and found it very difficult to kind of click um, since then." Uh, I still think that it's going to be tough for Fiorentino unless they intervene in, in the January transfer window. By tough, I mean, yeah, play it to expectation, which is, yeah, this is a team that has the seventh highest wage bill in the league. It should be contending for a place in Europe. Yeah, they've already left themselves a lot to do. I think they need an experienced striker um, in, in this window. I think that's what they're looking for. Even though Vlajevic has scored in his last three games, I think they just need someone who has a track record of scoring in this league and can kind of take the pressure off some of the younger guys. But yeah, I mean, just just remarkable. I mean, you think of some of the really good Fiorentina sides that we've we've seen over, not so much in recent years, but you know, going back into the 90s, struggled to win um, in Turin. To win by this margin with, with, with this team in this state... <laughs> Was was pretty astounding, really, and I, I think that's one of the. It's it's left a it's left a very loud echo of the of the winter break as to as to what state the old lady's in. Mm. Well, it means that the only unbeaten side now in Europe's top five leagues is Milan. Milan, who, as you mentioned, played the next day. They were two 0 up at home to Lazio, only for the Bianca Celeste to come roaring back and make it two two after ninety minutes. We go now to our correspondent at San Siro, Tiziano Crudelli. Yeah, the sweet sound there of Teo Hernandez striking the winner in stoppage time. Milan, who have twice as many points as they did at this stage last season, will be facing who this weekend when the City Out returns? It's Super Pippo's Benevento, James. And I say Super Pippo because Benevento are in mid-table. Um, no one expected them to be doing this well, but particularly on the back of their last appearance in Serie A when they didn't get a single point until December. Um, and uh, they're sitting pretty. They're above the likes of Samp, Bologna, Fiorentina, Parma, um, and Pippo, who 
uh, had some bad experiences in the top flight. First, when he was uh, in charge of, of Milan at the, the back end of the Berlusconi era, and then at Bologna, um, has proven himself that he's, he's able to learn from his mistakes and uh, has become a pretty good coach. Could he be the man to hand Milan their first defeat in the league this season? We shall see this weekend. All right, much more to come. Next up, it's some exciting tidings from the Bundesliga. Welcome back to the ground. Tickets, please. Thank you, madam. And let's see, sir. Oh, sorry, no, you're in tier three. No, I ain't. We're in tier two. We're allowed to be here. You can't take away my freedom. Tier three of the stadium over there. Donut. What? Uh, by the donut stand. Stadiums might not yet be full, but Paddy Power's offers are at full capacity. If one leg of your 4 plus 4 Acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude. Shop bets. T's and C's apply. It's in plus. Be gambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Bundesliga currently on its winter break. What do you call the winter break? Rafa? Die Winterpause. Sounds fair. Back on the second, that's this Saturday, uh, with a new man in charge at Schalke. Rafa. What's the nearest tube station to Gelsenkirchen? <laughs> Gelsenkirchen is a city, so it has its own tube stations, James. Hurrah. That's a bit like asking what's the nearest tube station to London, but um, I understand where you're getting at. Um, he didn't lift uh, or show any, any tube tickets, but he did show a shark's tooth. Oh. that he carries around. It's his, it's his lucky charm. Right. This is Christian Gross that we're, we're yes, referring to, of course. Yes, that's Christian Gross. Christian Gross, who once told Spurs players that they had a mountain to climb and showed them a Toblerone uh, to uh, see just how tall that mountain would be. Um, a true story. But yeah, um, he's taken over at, uh, at Schalke. But the um, shark's tooth, Rafa. So how yeah. did that work? The shark's tooth is is something that he thinks has a lot of um, useful connotations, I guess, to do with being sharp and yeah. being a predator. Did he pull it out in the press conference, in his, in his unveiling? He didn't pull it out, as it were, but he was asked about it and he just said, yeah, it's, it's my lucky charm. Okay. Um and he will need a lot of luck and uh, he'll need sharp teeth because Schalke, as you know, are, are bottom of the table after 29 games without a win. Um, this is last last season and, and this one. And a lot of people think that they might need some kind of rebuilding in the second Bundesliga. Mm. But Schalke feel that they have one more option to to change things and that's uh, with Christian Gross coming in. He's He's a bit of a... Martinet uh, character. Somebody compared him to, um, or called him the Alpine Felix Mugger, but it's not a, a tag that he was particularly fond of. Uh, let's see what he can do. Okay. Schalke, as you mentioned, currently going down the tubes themselves, down the bottom end of the Bundesliga. Their first game back under their new manager, who was in the Bundesliga with Stuttgart a decade ago, since then at Young Boys and then at uh, Al Ali in Saudi Arabia, but the first game back under Christian Gross will be away at Hertha Berlin. Is that the pick of the weekend's fixtures for you, Rafa, or what are you looking out for? Yeah, I think Schalke, Schalke Hertha is probably the most um, exciting one. Um, a lot of games have things riding on it because the Bundesliga is just as as chaotic and, and tight at the top as, as most leagues this year. Um, but yeah, in terms of narrative, if you want, 
that's probably most riding on, on Christian Gross's first game, especially with Bruno Labbadia also coming under a lot of pressure, you know, with all the investment that they've had, courtesy of uh, Lars Vintorst, the London-based financier, to be um, in the wrong half of the table is not going to be tolerable. And therefore, they, they need a result. So it should be a good one. OK, if they don't win that, they'll have one more chance at home to Hoffenheim to get a victory. Otherwise, they'll have gone an entire year without ever picking up three points in a league match. Crikey. Excellent. Next up, let's hear about Spain. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Alvaro, it's two days until Leo Messi can do one. Yes, but uh, it will be really, really unlikely that he, he doesn't move now in winter. Um, he spoke uh, to La Sexta, to a very um, famous journalist called Jordi Evole on Sunday evening. And uh, yeah, he gave a few hints about his future and uh, he talked a little bit about his life in Barcelona. Uh, it was his first interview since the one he gave in September when uh, he said that he, yes, uh, he wanted to leave Barcelona, but the team didn't let him go. And when it comes to team news or messy news, there is nothing very new this time. Um, he hit out at Bartomeu when he was asked about him, uh, the former president, uh, Bartomeu. He said that uh, uh, he's a person basically that didn't fulfill his promises, uh, which is something that uh, he hinted as well uh, back in September. He also referred to the, um, to the situation of the club. He said and he remarked that the financial situation isn't really, really bad. Uh, he also criticized the club for having let uh, Suarez go um, on the cheap uh, to a direct rival. He said that he talks to Luis Suarez pretty much every day. And uh, there are things that maybe, you know, optimistic looking ahead at his future at Barcelona. He said that Ronald Koeman was a very right appointment for the club. And on his future, he said again that he had nothing clear yet. So those are probably the most interesting takeaways uh, from the interview when it comes to you know, a sport uh, and his future. But then I, I really like the human aspect of Lionel Messi because uh, you know that he he has this reputation of not being a good talker, but I think that he's quite succinct and uh, he he knows as, as well how to deliver a message when he has to. Uh, he has done it uh, in the past uh, as a maestro, really, I would say. And uh, yeah, he, has, he admitted as well that uh, at some point he considered going to the psychologist. Uh, he didn't explain for... What was the reason exactly? His wife apparently is uh, encouraging him to do that, but Lionel Messi is not too sure about it. I guess it's not easy to be Lionel Messi and tell your secrets to someone else, uh, despite uh, having, you know, the um, the promise from the from the doctor or the psychologist that he won't say anything. But probably Lionel Messi is too worried about uh, how big his persona is, and uh, he talk about Barcelona. Mm, as if it, it was his city. Uh, at the end of the day, he lived 20 years there. He was born in Argentina, but he moved to Barcelona when he was 13. So, you know, this can be something, looking at, at the future and trying to find some hints about Lionel Messi staging or not, something that we have to take into consideration. The fact that Lionel Messi is a Barcelona fan, the fact that there will be elections and maybe the new president can offer him a decent project, and the fact that Lionel Messi is established in Barcelona to the point that he wants to stay in Barcelona after mm. he retires as well. So, yeah, those were the most interesting things uh, from the interview, and I really like it because Lionel Messi showed himself like a very articulate person and, you know, a very likable person as well. Okay, because there are there do seem to be two kind of trains of thought. One, 
largely in the United Kingdom of people saying, yeah, Man City are going to be in for him, that there's going to be a move already planned for, for January to, to bring him in as soon as he can sign for a club outside La Liga. The other one is that now that the dust has settled, now that Bartomeu is gone, now that Pedri and he are playing so well and Barcelona is showing that kind of form they had in that 3-0 win over Real Valladolid uh, just before Christmas, that he's happy now and that the storm is over. If you had to make a call now about where he'll be come 1st of February, what would it be? Barcelona. 1st of okay. February. I think that he will stay at Barcelona. Uh, I think that he made it pretty much clear that uh, right now he has nothing uh, and it will be difficult for him to leave in a month also because he said that he he has a certain motivation for this season. Uh, he wants to win the titles and all that. But uh, when it comes to the 1st of July, I wouldn't be too sure. I think that uh, many things will 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 play a part and be a factor, like who the new president is, if uh, Laporta or Xavi, former friends of him, are coming back to Barcelona, if uh, the club wins a title or at least competes for a title, not like uh, they didn't do last season when they lost a 2 against Bayern. So those things will definitely be important. But on the 1st of February, answering to your first question, uh, I'm 99% sure that he will stay at Barcelona. Ah, so there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> yeah, a slight one, yeah. Atletico Madrid still top of the table level on points with Real Madrid but with two games in hand over their city rivals but big news over the Christmas period uh, being that Kieran Trippier is now banned for 13 matches Alvaro how much is this going to impact on Los Colchoneros I think that a lot because Atletico de Madrid doesn't have um, a good replacement for Kieran Trippier. Uh, they had Arias. Uh, Arias is no, not playing for them this season. And Kieran Trippier was one of those valuable players who was pretty much playing every game. So I don't know what uh, Simeone is going to is going to plan now or plot, but it's going to be a tough call because Atletico didn't have such a competent fullback at the, at the right since Juanfran Torres. So I think that this is going to be quite tough for Atletico as well because Kieran Trippier was offering a lot when it came to set pieces too. Okay. Uh, they had a good result just before Christmas uh, beating one of the other teams at the top rail Sociedad 2-0. Uh, six points the margin now between those two sides, although as I mentioned, they are level with Real Madrid. What was this about Diego Costa you were mentioning though? Yeah, uh, news broke on, on Sunday evening. Uh, Diego Costa apparently wants to leave uh, Atletico de Madrid. He has asked the, the club to to free him, basically. Uh, so he wouldn't... Uh, he's got a contract until the end of June 2021. Uh, he would like to leave now uh, as a free agent. Um, some say that it's due to personal reasons. Um, but at the same time, his intention seems to be to stay in Europe and play elite football. The truth is that Diego Costa knows that this season he's not going to play a lot if Luis Suarez is, is there, because Luis Suarez is uh, Simeone's favorite. And uh, the truth is as well that since his arrival um, in January 2018, Diego Costa has never been the player he was once for Chelsea or for Atletico de Madrid. He knows that. He knows that uh, in the pecking order, he has uh, lost a lot of uh, hierarchy and uh, importance and uh, those may be the or seem to be the reason uh, the reasons behind his uh, his uh, departure I mean he wants to leave now and this uh, will probably be well accepted by Atletico de Madrid considering that uh, they have some financial problems as well uh, due to the pandemic are not uh, having fans in the stands and Atletico de Madrid will uh, be free from one of the um, highest salaries in the squad 
the Liga returns to action this Tuesday evening, 29th of December. Among the fixtures in this midweek round are sixth place Sevilla up against Villarreal, Unai Emery's Villarreal, who are in the Champions League places. Also, a Basque derby, Alvaro, between Athletic Club de Bilbao and the aforementioned Real Sociedad. Woof. No, no, that's going to be nice. Uh, Thursday is a very nice day for Basque clubs because there are two Basque derbies. Osasuna and Alaves also play. Oh. And uh, yeah, that's going to be really cool. Uh, it's a shame that Athletic Club and Real Sociedad still don't know whether they will play the cup final with fans in April. This game definitely will be a good training for them to play without fans. Uh, and uh, I think that Real Sociedad, they are in a really bad streak now. I mean, they haven't won for, for a long time, since mid-November as well. The good thing is that Silva is back now and uh, he's uh, pivotal for them because in between the lines he's the, the player who's articulating all the game. But there are a few things that Real Sociedad has to improve quickly. Uh, number one, if they want to be at the top, they have to start scoring goals. Uh, their main strikers, their number nines, uh, Isaac and uh, William Jose, they have scored only three goals each, and uh, that's very important. They have to start scoring more goals. And uh, this Basque derby is a very interesting one, and I would say that Sevilla-Villarreal is one of those games to look out for as well, because Villarreal, they haven't lost since the beginning of September, when they lost at Camp Nou. And uh, the run is excellent. Since uh, football restarted in June, they have lost four games out of 26 in all competitions, I believe. Emery or not, Villarreal was a very good team before Emery arrived. But I think that Unai Emery has improved them even more so. And now uh, they are close to signing Etienne Capoue from Watford as well, which could be interesting because they need a player in that position since uh, Iborra's uh, long-term injury. And uh, they've got a new player coming from from the academy, who, who is playing so well. And in the Europa League, he, he's on his level and he scored the goal against Athletic Bilbao. Jeremy, uh, another guy from the Canary Islands, like Pedri. So, yeah, I think that everything is pretty good for Villarreal at this stage. OK, well, a couple of days until the transfer window opens. Any other hot transfer stories you're willing to share uh, with our listener, James, Julien, Rafa? Divock Origi to Inter Milan. <laughs> Christian Eriksen to Paris Saint-Germain. That's the one I was going to mention because of all the uh, the Spurs players, the current Spurs players or the former Spurs players who Pochettino had at the club, I think Ericsson is, is the one that could actually tick the most boxes. I don't believe in Dele Alli at all. I didn't believe in, in the rumours of sending him to PSG in the summer either. But Ericsson, because he's, he's been made available by Inter, because he has a profile that could actually be quite good for PSG they, they, they like a bit of creativity at times in midfield especially when Marco Verratti is not there and he spent a lot of time injured this season again so I think this one maybe with someone going the other way on a on a sort of a loan swap although they'll be hard to do those deals but but potentially that could be an option or, or even if if you don't Draxler who they've, they've tried so hard to sell uh, in the last transfer window who only has six months left on his contract if he was to leave and they would be looking for a replacement uh, I think Ericsson could be of interest of, of PSG. Jules, we had the story in France of the uh, TV uh, rights um, falling through at Media Pro, and I think, was it 360 million euros that French clubs are losing because of that? Will that have any effect on, on perhaps one or two players becoming available, or will they still be sold in, in the summer, the big ones? No, I think someone like Memphis Depay, for example, despite Lyon doing so well and Memphis doing really well, if if Lyon can can find someone who come and get him, maybe someone like Barcelona who 
could sell Ricky Pooch, for example, and, and get some money to, to spend on Memphis, who won't cost too much in, in transfer fees because he's free in six months. So they'll probably be looking between 5 and 10 million euros for Memphis. I think it's, a, it's an absolute bargain. But that would help Lyon saving the wages that they pay him. And he's on 450,000 euros a month, which is a lot of money for, for even a club like Lyon because that money from the TV rights from Media Pro has never come in. So in those situations, Rafa, you're right. It, I think Lyon maybe in normal circumstances would have tried to hold on because they have a shot of winning the league. But, but financially, there's, there's, it's, it's still so bad for them that part of them is thinking, you know what, if we can get some money now uh, and release a little bit like the pressure on the, the wage bill, then, then they will do it. All right. Well, we'll hear a little bit more about Lyon and their status leading Ligue 1 and about the end, finally, of this long decade without Raymond Dominic in our lives. Next on the Totally Football Show European Edition. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Liga is still tight. Lyon and Lille both winning. They are still tied. A point ahead of Paris Saint-Germain at the top of Ligue 1. Uh, Lille had a 3-2 win at uh, Montpellier. Ooh, that Delors overhead kick, Jules. Woof. L'appel de Sambia dans le dos de Jonathan Bamba. Le centre est bon. Et le Amazing, yeah. One of the goals of the season, if not, if not the goal of the season so far uh, with... with Cardona, I'm sure you remember that incredible volley that the breast striker had at the start of the season. Mm. But that was very spectacular. It was a great game and, and Lille is showing why they have to be taken very seriously. They're only a goal, they're only second because of, of one goal compared to Lyon, uh, who are top. But they, they have a very strong squad with a really, really good manager in Christophe Galtier. They've sold the club, they've changed ownership and, and maybe... Or let's hope that doesn't have a, a negative impact on, on their team. Mm. Uh, but they, they said they, they won't have to sell in January, which is great news. But they're, they're looking really, really strong. Lyon, meantime, beating Nantes 3-0. Nantes subsequently uh, firing their manager, who I didn't realise he was the interim chap who'd come in after they got rid of Christian Gorkouf. Yeah. Uh, which is a bit of a shock. But uh, as is the man who they've hired now as the permanent <laughs> uh, replacement, the former France boss, Roman Dominic. The stars have aligned, etc., etc. Yeah. Jules, what, what do you think? He hasn't been, uh, well, I'm not sure what he's been doing in the last decade since leaving the France shop, but he hasn't been in club management for over 27 years. How is this going to work? I don't know where to start. I mean, you know, people in France called him the worst manager in the French, in French football history. Or, or like every level, every division, every club put together. Obviously, 2010 was a disaster. The, his whole tenure was a disaster at the head of the national team. Since then, James, he's been uh, head of the uh, Managers' Union okay. in France. He's done a lot of theatre. He's become a, a TV pundit as well uh, with his wife, Estelle, on her show. 
so he's done a lot of things, but he's still the same guy who criticized uh, Gasperini, for example, calling him a, a bad manager. He's still the same guy who thinks it's a good idea to come out regularly and, and have a have a pop at some managers who've done by far a better job than he's ever done in his whole life. Mm. And this story is funny, just quickly, because Raymond Dominic will be 69 next month in January. And in France, there's a, there's a rule that is not that official, but it says that if you're under 66 years of age, you cannot, you cannot manage in France. You need a, a special derogation to, to do so. So they give you the, der- the derogation without too much trouble. But, but still, when Claudio Ranieri was appointed at Nantes back in 2017, Domenic was outraged and publicly criticized Ranieri and publicly saying like he should not be managing because at the time he was uh, 67, so uh, uh, above the, 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 the age limit. And Dominic, as a, as a head of the managers' union, was going mad on every single radio show, TV show, saying Ranieri should not come to France. He should not have a derogation. He should not be managing Nantes. And funnily enough, Ranieri at the time was younger than Raymond Dominic is currently <laughs> now after signing his deal. But, but the best line of that story is Claudio Ranieri then one day after a game at Nantes had this incredible reaction to Raymond Dominic in his press conference in almost a perfect French saying... If Raymond Domenech wants to talk to me about theater, then I can listen. But if Raymond Domenech wants to talk to me about football, then never, never, never will I listen to him. And I think that's, that's, that's what we all think about Raymond Domenech right now. And uh, yeah, I didn't want to be too harsh because I'm thinking like, oh, imagine if that goes back to him and we have had so many fights and issues, me and him, that I, I didn't want to be too harsh. Is it because of your star signs that you don't get on? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably Libra, and I think he's a Capricorn. I think. Oh, no, no, no. What's after? What's after Capricorn? Because he's, he's late in January, I think. Sagittarius. Oh no, hang on. Late. Sagittarius is before. No, I don't know why. Sorry, my. You know. Okay. But, um, but yeah. Famously, Raymond Dominic. Was this ever confirmed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, wouldn't pick players for the French national side if they didn't have the right star sign. Yeah, makes sense. You can't have too many Leos. This is. He told me. He told me face to face, very seriously. You can't have too many Leos in your team. Okay. And I was like, but why? He said because they'll they'll clash. It, it will be a, a negative atmosphere in your team. I said, but how do you know if you've never played Leos together? He was like, but this is what it says in the cards. And I was like, this is me done. It, it, this guy cannot be a manager. It's not possible. <sighs> Also, he's a Capricorn. He's a Capricorn oh, like Capricorn. me. This is devastating. Okay, so he's missing Lionel, Lionel Messi is just lucky that he's not French. <laughs> yeah, right. Truly. So um, the other, well, one of the other great stories, you mentioned uh, him taking part in his wife Estelle's programs. It was, of course, Estelle that he proposed to know yeah. uh, in his post-match interview after a French game. She was back at the studio and he said, uh, I'd just like to... It was worse than a French game, James. It was after they were shamefully knocked out of the Euro 2008 after losing to Italy in that third game, where they were obviously World Cup finalists two years before that. And he thought after such a disaster, because it was really disastrous in Switzerland, that, that competition, he thought it was a good idea instead of coming up with maybe owning some responsibility to the disaster or, I don't know, finding a good reason why the French performed so badly, he thought... Let's ask for her to marry me and, and, and think it's a good idea. Well, that's one match that did go his way. So that's nice, eh? Uh, they are just outside the relegation zone, Nantes. They haven't won in eight league matches. Three points clear of the drop. Uh, their first game under Dominic will be at home to Rennes. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino's first Paris Saint-Germain game looks like being away at Saint-Étienne. 
That's right. Yeah. On Although he hasn't actually signed yet, has he? Has Poch actually signed now for PSG? No, not yet. It will be announced in the next few days. They were so they were waiting to have a, an agreement with Thomas Tuchel, which happened on on Sunday night. There's a few, just a few details with, with Pochettino's contract and his coaching staff. He wants to come with Sebastiano, who is his fitness coach, one of his two sons, uh, Miguel D'Agostino and, and Jesus Perez, the, the usual assistant, uh, Tony Jimenez as well, the goalkeeping coach. So there's just those things to sort out. I think it will be done pretty quickly now. Well, there you go. That's something to look forward to for 2021, which is just around the corner. Listeners, I'm sure you've noticed. Uh, that wraps it up, though, pretty much for this final Totally Football Show of 2020 what's been your standout moment Jules of this uh, remarkable year la 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 promoting la 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 Wow. Could only be the PSG Atalanta game. James mentioned it earlier. You I'm scraped sorry. by ten man Atalanta thanks to a goal from Chubamoting. And that's your that's the thing you said. And then he ditches you. He ditches you for the champions of Europe. He basically yeah, turns I, coat the same go night. He's going to go to Bayern and win nothing because because he's not going to win the league with Bayern. They are better side than them in the Bundesliga, and it would be a shame for him. Wow. But listen, it's all the background. It's all the times where our hearts were broken, and now mm. it was good to finally broke other people's hearts. Right. Uh, and I'm, I was sad for Atalanta yeah. because because I love the them. People and, of yeah, Bergamo. Who, I know yeah. the people of Bergamo. <laughs> they haven't suffered enough. And and Papu Gomez. <laughs> but yeah, it has to be. It has to be the highlight of twenty. Jules finally gets a chance at being a heartbreaker. Nice exactly. to see. James Horncastle, what's been your moment of twenty twenty as we sign off? Uh, well, I think you have to go all the way back to the spring. Yeah, when uh, Daniel De Rossi got uh, what his his wife, who's an actress, she got a makeup artist to come around <laughs> and basically yeah, make good. him up as an as like an old man, unrecognizable, so he could go and watch the the Rome derby in the in the Curva Sud for the first mm. time. That was that's going to be my moment of twenty twenty. Nice one, Rafa. Have you got something that stands out from a a pretty glorious year in German football? I think watching the Champions League final alongside my learned friend Julian Moss <laughs> was. I knew was the best moment that. for all sorts of reasons. Let's move <laughs> on. La 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 la. <laughs> Kingsley Coman. And Alvaro, how about you? Well, if Chupomoting is a person that uh, breaks hearts, uh, what about Philippe Coutinho scoring a goal against Barcelona in the Champions League uh, quarterfinals? I think that, mm. that has to be one of the moments of the year too, because it explains so much about Bayern, so much about Barcelona. Humillación histórica del Bayern al Barça, crisis, incendio, hoguera lo que quieran, Barça 2, Bayern 8. And uh, if I can make one special mention, I mm. will make one for Diego Armando Maradona, because he left us in 2020. Of course, of course. All right then. Well, 2020 prepares to shut up shop and, and that's what we're going to do now. We'll see you on the other side. Happy New Year. And whatever it is in your language, listener, many thanks to Alvaro, Rafa, Jules and James. And we'll see you in a week's time on the Totally Football Show European Edition. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics Football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
Cardini's Media.